Wow, it is just so great to be with you this morning. I can't wait just to talk to you this morning about activating your faith. I'm just excited about this message. Last week, we talked about stirring up your faith, and I want to talk to you about activating your faith this morning. I want to remind you a few things that are happening. Our expansion offering is still ongoing. It would be great next week when we come back into the room in person, if you could uh, bring whatever you've decided in your heart to bring as we've been talking about the expansion offering throughout the summer, getting ready for these months as we believe God has called us into a season of expansion. We believe God for about $40,000 to be able to do some projects and get some things moving and expanding. And your generosity so far uh, has contributed $10,000. We are so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful for that gift of $10,000. We will move at the speed of your generosity. And as God's people give, we'll be able to just continue uh, this uh, this uh, t- time of expansion and the renovations and the different things that are going on. As you come back next week, you'll also see that not all of the building has been uh, fully painted and renovated yet, and that'll be ongoing, and we're looking forward just to getting the building buttoned up and ready for this fall season. On September the 12th, as Christina just said, we are here for two services, 9:15 and 11. I, I am really excited about being back in the building, worshiping with sound and, and people's voices. Corporate worship is about people worshiping corporately, and that's just going to be amazing uh, on September. And uh, I, I'm just, I know it's going to be a great, great time. Uh, we are going to start a new series uh, next week on September the 12th called Fresh Wind. That series will take us right to Thanksgiving, and I just believe that God has dropped a word in my heart about beginning, as we begin, we gather, that we would begin with a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, just like they did in the upper room. The church was birthed with the Holy Spirit. As we kind of relaunch in these days, I'm believing there's going to be a great wind of God's Holy Spirit in our midst. So we're looking forward to that. Well, this week, we're looking at activating your faith, activating your faith. We uh, looked last week at stirring up your faith. And many of you text me and just thank me for that word, that your faith is stirred. And we learned that we don't walk by sight. We walk by what we hear. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. But I want to challenge you today. That's only half the equation. You can't just have stirred up faith. You've got to have faith that gets put into action. I want to activate your faith. Father, I just pray now, Lord, as we get ready for next week, as Lord, we're online today, but Lord, this word, I just believe is so important for those that are listening today, Lord, that you will cause us to rise up, speak to our mountains, see them cast into the sea because we've learned how to activate our faith. Or for some of us, be reminded, Lord, maybe it's been a long time since we have felt the boldness of God's Spirit in us to begin speaking to the mountains of our life that they might be cast into the sea. Lord, thank you for all that you're going to do that you've been doing in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. God bless you. Well, we're going to go back to Mark chapter 11, where Jesus spoke to the fig tree and it withered. He spoke to it. Uh, and, and the next day as the disciples came, they saw that God's word, Jesus has spoke, he's God, that God spoke to the tree. The disciples heard it, but they were amazed that what Jesus had said had come to pass. Jesus uses that as a teaching point in Mark chapter 11. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. 
or I'd like you to insert, have faith in what God has said. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. What a powerful verse. Let's unpack it this morning. Faith in what God has said. Faith comes by hearing, hearing God's word. Whoever says, whoever speaks to the mountain. Jesus had showed us what happens when God's word is spoken. The tree responded immediately. It had to respond to what God said to it. I want you to think about mountains this morning. Mountains are big. Mountains are quite permanent. (laughs) Mountains are unchanging. You know, mountains just kind of get in the way of where you're going. If you've ever been in a mountainous area, I've had the chance to go out west on a couple of occasions, and I just stare at the Rockies. It's just like unbelievable, the immensity of the Rocky Mountains. The just, they're so, they're just, they're, it's, they're, I'm in awe when I look at them. But if you're trying to travel through them, you're not, you don't travel through them. You've kind of got to go around them. Mountains stand in the way of where you want to go. Mountains in the Bible represent a situation that you might be facing, situations that I can face. Maybe you're facing a marriage mountain, a financial mountain, a health mountain, a career mountain today. It's big. It seems unchanging. It's been this way for a very, very long time. In fact, you would say, as long as I can remember, it seems permanent to me. And it's standing directly in the path of God's promise for what he has said is in your future. And yet today you would say, there's a mountain in my way. James was writing to the church and there was some disagreement about what faith was and what faith wasn't. And he brought some clarity. I want to ask you the question today, what do you do when you discover a mountain in your way? And James said this, he said, show me how anyone can have faith without action. We're talking about activating our faith today. Show me how that's possible. How can you have faith or say you have faith without actions? I will show you my faith by my actions. What James is saying is that you have to activate your faith. It's not enough to stir it up like we talked about last week when we begin to feel the Holy Spirit's power in us. We sense God's word bubbling up in us. It becomes real. We know it to be God's word. There's an excitement. There's a boldness. But now there's another step. We need to activate that faith that has been stirred up. So what do you do with a mountain that's standing in the way? Well, you activate your faith. And you speak, number one, you speak to your mountain. You speak to your mountain. Most of us, if we'll be honest, we speak a lot about our mountains. We talk a lot about our mountains. You know how this goes. You've had somebody come to you and maybe talk about the mountain that's in their health and how difficult it is. And then you find yourself trying to tell them that your mountain's actually bigger. <laughs> it's more rugged. <laughs> it's more difficult. Oh, I know. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, yeah, tell me about the mountain. I've got mountains, too. We got mountains. And we tend to find ourselves talking about our mountain instead of speaking to the mountain. Well, you say, Pastor Roy, what, do we, what would you say to a mountain? You say to the mountain 
what God says about that mountain. You repeat what God has said in his word about what's standing in your way. You repeat what, uh, what God has said into, uh, into your heart in the way of promise to that mountain. Out loud, talking <laughs> to mountains. When Christine and I first came to Cornwall, I had met with some pastors here in town just out of professional courtesy and, and wanting to meet them and let them know that we were partnering with them here in the city and we wanted to see God do something great. I, the way, same way I knew that uh, God had told them that uh, they were pastoring churches that God was going to do something great in. I remember one pastor beginning to tell me how hard a city Cornwall was, how close to the gospel at Cornwall is and was. And he told me, he told it to me as if he had rehearsed that speech over and over again. It just flowed off his tongue so easily. He went on to tell me about how pastors come to Cornwall to die. <laughs> he said, don't expect a church in Cornwall over a hundred people because there's never been a church in Cornwall over a people. People in Cornwall don't go to church. Don't expect people to go to church. Man, I was feeling depressed. <laughs> I just need to be real. I'm sitting there at that lunch table, and I was feeling depressed. I started doubting whether or not God had spoken to me at all about what he wanted to do in Cornwall. I thought maybe I was a little naive about this place. Maybe it was more difficult than I thought it was. See, he was identifying very real mountains from his experience and other pastors that had shared their experience about what seemed unchanging in Cornwall, that it was, it was difficult. And he was simply talking about the mountains. Oh, and I was feeling like the mountains were growing while he was talking. At that moment, I felt like the Lord spoke into my spirit very clearly and said, snap out of it. <laughs> Don't come under that. You've got to stop talking about the mountains. Is there a mountain? Yes, but I told you you're able to go up and take the country. Is there a mountain of people being close to salvation? Yes, but I told you that this is the day of salvation. Is there a mountain that is difficult? Yes, but I told you you can do exceedingly more than you can ask or dream of. I have a plan that for this city. I have a plan for you, and God's word begin to be stirred in my spirit. I told you that there are many people in this city. I told you that I'm greater in you than the devil is in the city. And God's word just kept bubbling up and bubbling up the scriptures that he had given me. And I made a decision. I'm not going to talk about the mountain of Cornwall and its difficulties. I'm going to speak to the mountain. What I found myself doing in the car as I would drive along, I would begin to say, I'm not coming under a spirit of smallness. God, uh, God's not big for the sake of being big, but God is big because he can do more than man can do. That God would have a church of more than 100. I remember when we were about 90 people, just a year old, getting ready to purchase this building. And then we would go over that 100 and then over 200. And now, who knows, with COVID, where we're going to come back on the 12th and we're going to get to count again and find out. <laughs> but I know that God is doing a work contrary 
to what the mountain said, contrary to what people's experience had said. As I would drive along in the car, I would speak to those things that seemed to be standing in the way, and I would speak the promises that God has spoken. And my stirred faith became activated faith because I was willing to speak to the mountain rather than about the mountain. Many of you know my number uh, four son, Aaron, who has developmental delays and special needs. And Aaron was born with a chromosomal anomaly on his third chromosome. There are some extra pieces of protein in his code uh, that should not be there. And because they are there, they create difficulties for him. And every day that a cell, and every day all of us, our cells are dividing, that's biology. Every day that his cells divide, they divide the DNA of that, uh, of that genetic anomaly. And so that anomaly gets divided every day over, every minute, every second, over and over again. And yet God told Christine and I that there would be no mountain that would stand in the way of Aaron's destiny, that Aaron has a destiny to touch people's lives. He has a destiny to live a productive life, to have quality of life. And so there are many days that we feel, yes, the reality of that mountain. Yes, the reality. You say, Pastor, you you pray for his healing. Yes, I do. Because I want nothing to stand in the way of his being all that God has called him to be. That the mountain of chromosomal anomaly would not stand in the way. And Christine and I speak to that mountain and we say, chromosomal anomaly, you're not having your way with Aaron. You will not stand in front of his destiny. You will not block him from being all that God has called him to be. There are days, yes, that we come under, you know, the reality of that mountain. That mountain is real. But if we talk about it, it gets larger. But when we speak to it, it has a way of shrinking and faith begins to activate. And we begin to see God's work in his life because we have stirred our faith and then activated our faith and refused to allow the mountain to overshadow us. We want God's destiny to overshadow the mountain. In Luke chapter 24, we read the story of how some ladies who had stood at the cross when Jesus had died, They had been supportive. In fact, one of those ladies was Jesus' mother, Mary. And they had supported his ministry, and they had come to be with him. In fact, the disciples had fled, and the ladies stayed uh, at the cross. Jesus was taken down from the cross and put into a tomb. And later that weekend, Good Friday, when he died on Sunday, the ladies went to the tomb to bring spices and ointment to anoint his body. It would be the equivalent of preparing the body for burial. And so they arrived at the gravesite. They they arrived at the tomb area in the cemetery. And they were expecting to find his body. They had seen him die. That's pretty permanent. That's pretty unchanging, isn't it? They had seen with their very eyes Jesus die on the cross, taken down and laid into the tomb. They figured it was a good three and a half years They'd had a good run with it. It was exciting, but now it was over. Now it was finished. The mountain of death overshadowed any future that they were believing that Jesus had talked about. And they were there to take care of the final arrangements of his body. But two angels were there. And they were sitting on the rock of the the sealed tomb had been opened and the rock uh, rolled away. And they spoke 
to the ladies. And in Roy's paraphrase, it went something like this. Snap out of it. He's not dead. He's alive. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Think about it. Proverbs tells us that in our mouth, we have the power of life and we have the power of death. It depends on how there's consequences to how we speak. And it's not like spooky, weird, our words come out. It's that our mind and our mouth engage with what we believe in our spirit. And what we speak, the Bible says, we can have. So you can have the mountain and have it grow bigger if you want. Or you can begin to speak to that mountain, activating your faith, and say, the doctor says, I have a a mountain health problem, but I'm speaking to that, and I'm believing it won't stand in my way. And we speak to the mountain words of life. The ladies had a choice. The angels were asking, why are you hanging out in the dead place? Why don't you get into the life-giving place? He's not here. He's not about this. Uh, He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. In other words, remember what he said. They had already forgotten. It had only been a few days. And they, the circumstances and the pressure of circumstances had kind of pressed it out of their mind, out of their memory. When we stir our faith, what we're doing is keeping God's word fresh in our memory because we need God's word fresh in our memory. It says, don't you remember what he told you? It goes on and says, then they remembered that he had said this. So they, what what had he said? He said, I will be killed but I will be raised on the third day. He had told them that was God's promise. That was God's word. They came expecting something at the tomb that wasn't there. They they were under the shadow of the mountain of death when Jesus was already into life. They remembered that he had said this. And so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. Think about it. They activated their faith. They spoke out what the angels had told them. They spoke out, he's alive, he's risen, because he said he would be alive and he would be risen. They ran, the Bible's very clear, they ran from the tomb. I just want to challenge you today. Some of us need to run from the words of death, from the negative thoughts, the negative self-talk, the negative I can't do this, the negative the mountain is growing and growing and growing and I don't know what I'm going to do. Let's move away and run from the tomb of negative speech and talking and begin to speak what God has said about our situations and watch our mountains begin to be cast into the sea. Let's go back and look at Jesus' teaching on faith. Let's activate our faith today. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God or what God says. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Have what you say? Have what you say? How does that happen? By not doubting. Well, what does that mean, not doubting? Well, I know this for sure. Doubting doesn't mean doubt here. 
because all of us have thoughts of doubt that go through our mind. I just shared with you, there are days that we look at uh, some things that Aaron would struggle with. He had struggles today as I was uh, his, his primary caretaker today. And there were struggles that you and I wouldn't struggle with on a day-to-day basis, but he struggled with today. And I found myself looking at that mountain and in my mind beginning to doubt, will this ever change? Well, that's a mind doubt. That's not what the scriptures are talking about. And, and so it's not a mind over matter situation. Well, the pastor, what does it mean to have faith that we don't doubt in our heart? I'm glad you asked that question. I want to show you. <laughs> doubt is what paralyzes you to stay exactly where you are. Doubt will keep you from moving forward. Doubt will keep you where you are when God wants you to move forward in faith and taking what we would call a step of faith. I want you to imagine that you're in an airplane and uh, we just uh, we just finished the third season of Manifest, uh, Netflix series, and uh, we're sure glad that it didn't end in the third series and the, uh, the uh, season they're letting the fourth come. And it's all about a plane crash. So that's, that's the analogy that's in my mind today. Pretend you're in a plane today that's going down and the captain comes out and says to you, you need to act quickly. And he passes you a parachute. He explains to you how the parachute works, how it will be strapped on you and it'll stay on you, how this is a ripcord. And the moment you step out and go into the air, you're going to pull this and the chute's going to deploy and you will land safely on the ground. And you stand there looking at the parachute that's just been passed to you. But you begin to doubt what the captain has told you. You're not sure about what he has said. And you begin to ask questions. What if I'm too heavy for this parachute? What's the weight rating on the parachute? What if the parachute doesn't open? What if the altitude is too high right now? And when I deploy the parachute, it doesn't open properly. You see, doubt, and though that questioning what, the, what the, the captain has said, this is a parachute. It will deploy. Pull the string. You will be saved. It's not difficult. The authority of the captain has told you. The rating is on the bag. It is written right on the parachute. But you're standing there in doubt, and you're paralyzed by doubt and fear, so you're not putting the parachute on. You'll probably be stuck in your situation. We're talking about activating your faith. It would mean simply trusting that the the captain knows what he's talking about, trusting what he has said, putting that parachute on, and stepping out of the plane and deploying it, taking a step of faith. Number two, activate your faith. How do we do it? By not doubting. How do I overcome doubt? By putting my faith into action, having to take a step of faith by leaving where I am and moving forward toward the miracle. Let me explain. Story in the New Testament of Jesus going up on a mountain to pray. He wanted to be alone. And all parents with children five and under said, amen. (laughs) And they're just, I need some alone time. He'd been with the disciples, 12 guys that were a full-time job. He just wanted to be alone and pray with his father. And so he sent the disciples off to play. He said, go across the lake and I will catch up with you later. And so the disciples got into the boat and off they went. Jesus was praying. The Bible tells us that uh, during that nighttime uh, row across uh, the sea, there was a huge storm 
that just began to churn up and turn up uh, the, uh, the sea. And they were fearing for their lives. They were veteran sailors, but they were fearing for their lives. They were working the, the oars so hard to try to go one way, and the boat was going another way. The wind, the waves, they thought for sure they were going to die. Well, Jesus walks out on the water to where they were in the boat. Now, no one had ever seen a human being walking on water before, so they didn't have a context for that, and they thought for sure they were very close to the afterlife and that this was a spirit and that they were now approaching the veil of the spirit realm, and they were, in fact, maybe dead already. They, they didn't know, and so they cried out in fear, it's a ghost, and Jesus cried back, no, silly boys, snap out of it, <laughs> my paraphrase, it's me. And Peter said, if it's really you, then call me to come to join you water walking. And Jesus said, come. Now, when we read this story, walking on water is something actually that Jesus wants us all to do. It's walking on the miracle, walking on your answer to prayer, journeying forward uh, through that mountain that stands in the way, but actually not having to go around it, but actually seeing it thrown into the sea, so to speak. It's out of your way. It's not standing in your way anymore. He wants us to walk on water. He wants us to, in our journey with him, to experience the miraculous and his supernatural power. You say, Pastor Roy, how, how, how does that happen? Because I'm suggesting the scriptures are teaching us without, when we don't doubt. Well, how is it that you don't doubt that you take a step? Now, you've got to get this. I'm going to read this scripture. You've got to see this. So Peter said, if it's you, I want to, I want to, I want to know this miracle walking as well. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat. Peter went over the side of the boat. Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. You've got to see this. Jesus is not expecting you to somehow conjure up a miracle or that faith is something that if I just, you know, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, and that you find yourself trying to fight the doubts of your mind when God is just saying it's so much simpler than that. You see, you and I don't have the strength or the capacity or the ability to come up with a miracle. Only Jesus can do that. You couldn't walk on water, and I can't walk on water, and Peter couldn't walk on water, but Peter walked on water. Why? Because he got out of the boat. Look at it. It says when Jesus said, come, that Peter's step of faith was not to step out on the water and make the miracle happen. And that we somehow, yay, Peter, look at all your faith, Peter. And because of all of your faith, you get to walk on water. No, it's not that hard. It simply is that he understood, I've got to get out of the boat in order to walk toward my miracle. Sometimes Jesus is just wanting you to get out of your boat so that you you can position yourself for him to put a miracle under your life and to hold you up and to bless you and to keep you and to promote you and to cause prosperity on your life. But it just happens because you decided to get out of your boat. And the boat represents those things that we're just comfortable with. And it's just how life is. And we want the miracle to come into the boat. And Jesus said, the miracle's out of the boat. You've got to get out of the boat. How do you activate your faith? You put God's word to the test and you get out of the boat and let him do a miracle. Peter could have just thought, well, you know, what if, what if I sink? 
And as you know the story, he did because he stopped listening to the word and focusing on Jesus, and his storm got bigger than God's ability in his mind, and he began to sink. And I love that Jesus was right there just to grab hold of him and pull him back up, and they walked on water together back to the boat. And that's what Jesus wants to do with you, and he wants to do with me. What are your next steps? What boat do you have to get out of? We had an amazing time last week uh, getting ready for those that uh, have come to harvest new during the pandemic online. And we did a step one with them. Step one happens the first Sunday of every month. It'll begin the first Sunday of October. And people that are new to harvest and want to know how to be involved or how to take their next step with Jesus attend step one. In step one, we share the story of the church, and we tell people that have newly found Jesus about Seeds. And Seeds is a 12-week a small group uh, program that you can attend and ask any questions, and it's just a really safe environment to take your first steps with Jesus. Well, many, many people in Harvest have done that. They've taken the step of faith at the end of a service and simply raised their hand. They got out of their boat of their life and said, I'm going to trust Jesus. I want a relationship and then we'll talk to somebody about water baptism and how powerful water baptism is. That's a step of faith in obedience to do that, to step toward what God has by simply saying yes to water baptism. I spoke to a lady this week, and she was sharing with me how powerful her water baptism uh, was for her. You see, the miracle in the water baptism isn't the water or the tank. It's your obedience of taking a step. You'd say, water baptism, that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't fit into my world. I don't understand somebody putting me under the water. Well, we explain why Jesus asked us to do that. But my response might be to that. If you said, well, I've never done that, or I don't, you know, I, I've just never done that. I'd say, get out of your boat. <laughs> and take the step, and you will love the miracle as you take that step of water baptism. Maybe God is speaking to you about the expansion offering, and we've been talking about that. You, I've never given money before. Get out of your boat and take a step and watch what God's going to do. Maybe uh, God's talking to you about bringing a friend on September 12th when we have our grand opening. You've said, I've never brought anybody before. Right. You know what I'm going to say. Get out. And that's the step of faith. It's a step of obedience. You're not going to make the miracle happen. Only Jesus can do that. But what you're doing is positioning yourself by activating your faith to get out of whatever hinders you. Doubt is simply that thing that's paralyzing you and keeping you from trusting truly in what God has said. God has said it. I'm stirred by it, and now I will step out as I speak to that mountain, get out of my way, and as I journey toward my destiny and all that God has. Jesus wants you to experience a miracle, to walk on water. The other disciples never experienced what Peter had, had, had experienced. They never got out of their boat. Let's finish this morning. I want to look back again at Mark chapter 11. Jesus adds this in verse 24, therefore, we're going to activate our faith, speak to our mountains, believe that God's word is powerful, it's true. We're not going to speak about them. We're going to speak to them. We're going to, um, we're going to stir our faith and activate our faith um, 
as we, as we take this journey with him and take a step, a step of faith. Number three, I want to challenge you this morning in your prayer life, in your asking of God. Number three, you would ask big. I think as a church and as individuals, God is saying to us, you need to ask bigger. I'm God. You need to ask bigger. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The challenge this morning is you don't settle for good enough. Maybe you've prayed for a healing. Maybe, uh, maybe a knee that's been uh, giving you a lot of pain and you received prayer and you took a step of faith and, 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 and you, you believed and ha- allowed someone to pray for you. You were somebody that said, oh, I don't know, I've never, I don't know about that prayer stuff. And you got out of your boat. You got out of your boat and someone prayed. And you've noticed there's not as much pain in your leg. And you've rejoiced about that. And I think that's great. You've thanked God for that. I think that's amazing. But you've in your heart said, it's still painful, but it's good enough. Maybe you've been praying for one of your kids. I don't know how old they might be, teenagers, maybe adult children. But you know they have a destiny. You've prayed for them from the moment they were born, from the moment you dedicated them to the Lord. The moment that you set them before the Lord and said their destiny is in your hands. But as a parent, your heart is heavy because they're not walking in all that uh, God has for them. And maybe over the years you've prayed and they've come part way and you go, well, you know, it's not horrible. Their life isn't bad or anything. No one said it was. But it is, is it what God has promised? Do you realize the full promise of God? Or are you asking small and saying it's good enough? It's good enough. How many things we could look at this morning that when we really would be honest, a marriage that's improved some, and you would go, you know what? It's not bad. It's good enough. But is it all that God has for you? I believe as a church, you as an individual, that God is saying to us that there's a favor in our prayer life in these days. Next uh, Thursday evening, before we launch on Sunday, I'm asking everybody that calls Harvest Their Home Church that you'll either come online or, or be in the room. As as a church, we're going to pray for this up-and-coming season. We're going to ask big. Christina prayed earlier about salvations. We're going to ask big. We're going to ask God to do big things. Say big we have some people in the room tonight while we're taping, and their big wasn't very big, so I'm going to ask them to say it again. Say big. Yeah, come on. A few people just had a big, big. I love it. God is asking us to ask him why the, James said, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. The scriptures are clear. Ask, and you shall receive. Knock, and it'll be open. Seek, and you will find. You say, Pastor, but I asked for a long time, and I didn't see a change. The scripture, ask, knock, seek, is continue asking. Just continue asking. Every time you ask, your faith will grow. Every time you ask, you're talking to the mountain. Every time you ask, you're declaring that there's a God in heaven that is for you and not against you. Don't settle for it's good enough. Don't settle. It's it's partway there. It's okay. No, believe God to fulfill all that he has spoken, all that he has placed in your heart. Let's activate our faith in these days. Let's speak to the mountains. Let's take steps of faith and begin to believe God in our prayer time that he wants us to ask.
ask big. God bless you this morning. I'm just so happy that you've been a part of what we're doing, and I pray you receive this word and you begin not just stirring, but activating your faith. We never end a service without asking if there's someone that's watching that is never, you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. The Bible says that we have to repent to receive God. And so many people have just given us a very wrong understanding of that word repent. Let me, let me just explain very quickly what it means to repent. If I'm going this way in my life without God, just going on my own, doing my own thing, Repent simply means I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to turn toward God. Somebody might ask this morning, well, how far back do I have to walk? Because I've been walking, I've been walking my own way for a very, very, very long time. In fact, I would say I'm lost and I don't quite know where I am. But I'm hearing something today. I, I, I want, I want Jesus in my life. The Bible says turn around. Well, how far back do you have to go? Not one step. Listen to me this morning. Not one step. Not one step. Not one step. The Bible doesn't say you have a journey to get to God. It says just turn around and he's right there. You see, he's been following you. He's never let you go. He's never stopped loving you. He's just waiting for you to turn around and say, oh, there you are. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you as you make the decision to repent, to turn around from going your way, to embrace God in his way. He's got such blessing for you. Would you just pray this simple prayer with me right now? Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. I turn today from going my way and I embrace you. Forgive me of all my sin. Come into my life. I begin my journey with you. Amen. If you prayed that simple prayer, we believe you've been born again. And we would ask you just to text, uh, whether you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, or contact our church office and say, I made the decision. We simply want to give you some information, send you a Bible, and make sure you have everything you need to continue strong on this new journey that God has given you. God bless you, and have an amazing week. Until we see each other next week. Dancing in the light of your glory, joy is awakening.